Hey, everybody, and welcome to Views on View. I'm Chris Fritz on the View Core team. And today on our panel, we have Ben Hong, who is an educator, speaker, all sorts of things in the View community. Hey, everybody. Oh, also MC recently at ViewConf. That I did. That did happen. And we also have Eric Hanchett, who is also an educator. Uh, he has a YouTube channel and also wrote the book, Vue.js in Action. Hey, everybody. And today our guest is Marina Mosti. So, so Marina, can you tell Hi. us a little bit about yourself? Uh, sure. Uh, I've been a developer for 13 years. Uh, I have uh, recently written a, a series of articles that were like sort of uh, good <laughs> uh, regarding it. Like, people like them? Some people liked them, some people didn't. I guess that's just the kind of way the, the things go. I'm a member of the Vixens and I'm trying to figure out my way in this community and what I can do for it. Hey folks, I just want to let you know quickly about Netlify. Netlify is a really cool system for hosting what are traditionally known as static sites. However, the real benefit that I've been finding is that I don't have to mess with a back end. I can just set things up. I build the website out. I've been using a system called 11DJS and you just deploy it. And then anything that you have that you want to do, you can do on the front end. So if you want to pull in some kind of database with Firebase or something else, if you want to collect form data, Netlify provides all kinds of services that make it easy to do all that stuff. If you're trying to do serverless, they have a really, really neat serverless setup that will allow you to deploy your websites without having to deploy a backend and it'll do some of the work for you. I just, I just love it. So if you're looking for a way that you can actually deploy a website that only has front-end technology in it, gives you all the tools that you typically need for the back-end without having to actually program the back-end, then give them a try. Go check them out at netlify.com. One of the first things that I want to talk to you about is just those those intro articles that you wrote. And also, even before that, uh, there's another article you wrote that I appreciated about, this is just in JavaScript, about JavaScript in general, not even specifically Vue, about the date functions library. I want to talk about this because not enough people know about date functions. Can you can you tell people what it is and why it might be useful to them, especially if they are already using something like Moment.js? Sure. I mean, that article actually came from my own needs. I have a very strong, well, I wouldn't say strong. I have a very like lengthy PHP background. So like working with libraries and PHP date functions is... It's it's annoying, but once you start get, like getting into like the nitty gritty of like actually ma having to manage the dates with JavaScript, it's just like it's like a, a whole nother mountain. So I did work with Moment a lot, but then I just like found myself needing a library that would be like would be easier to import and just like have a, a modular approach that I could just like use the functions that I was using uh, needing. Sorry, because. I don't know if you ever found yourself like in, in this type of projects where you just need the one function from that library and you don't want to bring this like monolithic giant that is moments. And don't take me wrong, I love moment. I think it's a great library. I've used it extensively, but uh, the date definitely, definitely comes in a moment of need where everything is trying to get tree shaken and minimized and just like saving those last few kilobytes of data are, are important. So as a sort of experiment, some people suggested that, hey, you, you, should, you should try writing some articles uh, because I did uh, a little work on, on, on Vuvixens with some writing and um, that just kind of came to mind. I thought it was like an easy subject to approach and it actually got a very good response. Like some people 
I guess they don't know about data finance or you know how to approach it in a simple way. So, so date functions or, or date FNS, I never know how to pronounce these things. Uh, it's spelled <laughs> date hyphen FNS for, for people who are listening. And we're going to pronounce it all sorts of ways. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I'm probably not the best person to ask. <laughs> about I date functions. Of none, none of us are. We all say different things. Yeah. <laughs> but, but anyway, the date functions library. So would you say that's sort of like the low dash of like uh, date utility functions, you know, for like formatting dates and parsing them and, you know, uh, you know, doing calculations between dates? I think that, well, Lodash is like another like great, great library, I think. I haven't used that a lot lately because like I just found myself just moving around just like uh, the new ES6, like parsing functions for arrays and, and, and objects and just like data management. But regarding date FNS, I do feel that the wide variety of like functions that they are like giving you inside their this package is, is it's very complete. So you can yeah you can definitely go from like the simplest um, formatting function, which is probably what what you will be using like ninety percent of the time, towards like the most I would say advanced uh, functions, but just like adding and subtract subtracting dates, which is obviously always nice. Uh, parsing of certain date formats. I believe there's also like some functions that allow you to handle uh, internationalization. Wow, I got it. Nice. That is <laughs> um, a hard one. <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then the first try as well. So yeah, it's definitely worth checking out. And I think the article is like very brief and very straightforward to just like get to know what you can do with it. Yeah, awesome. I think it's a great, great article too. I was going to say, I looked up I've been using Moment and projects. It's funny. There's there's someone who opened up a request or a, an issue to modularize Moment JS, but I guess it's too big of a deal. So it, it says right there in one of the issues, just use date functions, date FNS instead. I just think wonder wonder why the Moment team never decided to make it modularize and and do all those enhancements. I don't. Yeah, know. I was recently I think talking with Sia um, about like she's doing a performance talk, and I think it's because the way they architected Moment, um, it's like too monolithic, so they can't like in a like Webpack way like easily break up things. So I think yeah, to your point, I think it's too much of a monolith at this time to make it um, modular the way that Date Functions is for Moment. I think, and I'm, don't quote me on this, that the problem is that Moment is uh, class based and it's just like a monolithic class that handles everything. So I don't think if they could actually like split that up into like smaller classes, because if I remember correctly, then for using moments, you just have to instantiate this class and you pass it some options and then you just like uh, work around with the object, like the moment object. So I will see what, how that would be, become a problem for like making modules out of it. Yeah, although I, I will say that I think there is a special import that you can do to strip out all the internationalization stuff if in case you don't need that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, which I believe is most of the library, the internationalization yeah. files. Well, time though is a big thing too for people, right? When it comes to Moment.js. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't know like all of the things that it handles that are stripped out. I imagine like time zones are probably still in the core yeah. library, even if you strip out the internationalization stuff. But anyway, I just wanted people to know about <laughs> the date functions because more people need to. It's a, it's a great library. That it is. So going on to more view stuff, what gave you the idea to like write a series of beginner articles for Vue? Well, it was, it's not a very exciting story. 
so I, I wasn't, as I was mentioning earlier, I, uh, well, not recently, right? about six months ago, I joined the uh, community of view vixens. And there was this, I don't know, call to action for like members to start writing these things that we call nanos. Nanos are basically a very, very small workshop or like workshop oriented uh, type of structural information to like teach something, a very like small digestible concept to, to uh, workshop uh, attendees, I guess. And this comes because we have like clear structured workshop. We have the main workshop, which was basically like completely handwritten by Natalia Tepluhina. We have the um, uh, minis, which are usually like smaller than the actual workshop. It's not like a whole day workshop. It probably lasts like a couple hours. And then we created these nanos, which are, are meant to be to last like 10, 30 minutes at most. So uh, a bunch of topics were, were thrown around, just like small introductions to BOX, uh, understanding computer properties. I think there was a watchers one, I can't remember because it was so long ago, but I, I was basically just trying to, you know, bring back something to this community that gave so much to me at that point. And Nanos was just a perfect way to like put, put in some work and give something back. So I, I took it upon myself to basically write most of those nanos. I don't know, there wasn't like a lot of hype to like get that, that much work done because I did consider it like a bunch of work to just like grab this sort of simple concepts and uh, encapsulate them into a very digestible like 10 minute idea or exercise that, that so, people could actually like interact with. So what's an example of a good topic for a nano? There was a lot of debate actually around what 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 good topics would be because one of them was Vuex one and one hundred one and I was it was a challenge to say the least I think yeah that, that could like, be a big topic it could it was a really big topic and the actual like getting to like write it and summarize it in a very like clear consistent way so that someone who has never approached Vuex before it can actually understand it was definitely very demanding. And I, th I think it did a, a very poor job, to be honest. Like, I'm not happy with it, but it needed to be very, very concise. And that actually is what, like, threw me over to the articles. But to answer your question, what would be a good topic for Nano? I think probably the more basic concepts, like just understanding what a prop is, uh, how to pass uh, data from, like, parent component to the child component, how how to work with the default slot, for example. I don't think that going into like sculpt slots would be a good idea in like a 10 minute exercise because that can actually be become a very complex topic. But I think just like about the, the very basics of VR, definitely some, some uh, good topics to cover in like 10 minute exercises. I'm actually kind of curious, is there anything that you learned, like the things that while you were writing the articles, you thought like, oh, this would be simple for people or this would be a complex topic. Uh, and you, you turned out that, you know, that wasn't true. Huh. Well, I don't know if exactly, if it exactly happened that way, but definitely writing all these things has, has furthered my, um, my understanding of you just simply because like there are some, I'm trying to think of something, but there are some topics like very core based topics that you have to, that you sort of glaze through when you're learning and that you never like go into details about researching like, hey, why, why does this actually work like this? Because you just like assume things at face value. But when you actually have to like stop yourself and just like, okay, I'm going to 
teach someone or I'm going to write about this like particular subject, then you actually need to do like the extra mile of work and go back and maybe even like start diving into like the the code base and figuring out like how how is this getting accomplished or just like reading about it from other uh, good uh, article writers or, or educators. Yeah. So how did you... Like in introducing people to just the series of articles, uh, there was one thing that I noticed that I, I personally really liked is you lay out the assumptions that you're making, like what people need to know and exactly who this is for. So, and I, and I don't actually see that in a lot of like, introductory materials. Uh, you know, they just sort of jump in. Why did you decide to cover that? I think there were many reasons. In between the articles, uh, well, the, the actual view articles, not the like <laughs> uh, JavaScript, just like simple, like plain JavaScript related articles that I was writing. And the nanos, I started working with a group of women inside Vivix, it's just like by myself. Uh, it's just three women that I know from there. And I started mentoring them. It was a disaster. <laughs> uh, a disaster. I basically, what do you mean? It was a disaster. I basically asked them, like, hey, uh, I'm open to like mentoring, like, does anyone want to learn things? <laughs> and three women volunteered and I tried to talk to them individually. And I just, I just came to this moment of realization that they were like so far apart in knowledge and in like uh, being comfortable with the, the whole like view ecosystem or, or, or I mean, not ecosystem, the, the framework itself. And they even had like some different levels of JavaScript understanding and just like different programming backgrounds. <laughs> so I gathered them all in like a single call, like this video call, this meetup. With, in, 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 uh, and I just like, I was not prepared. That, that is all I, I was going, that, that all I'm going to say is that I was not prepared. Uh, I thought like, hey, just let's, let's just put in some exercise. Let's just be, build a form, make some buttons, figure out components. And it was, I was all over the place, all over the place. I think they left that meeting, that session or whatever you want to call it without a single piece of like knowledge. <laughs> My early teaching experiences uh, also didn't always go perfectly. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, it's hard because I was trying to make things like simple enough for one of them that was basically starting out with you. But I also had to keep it interesting for another one of them. Um, which is actually really advanced. So when this whole thing ended, I asked them to give me some feedback. <laughs> and the feedback was basically like, you were all over the place and you need to focus a little bit more and maybe just like have some plan that, of what you're going to be teaching us. And then we can actually go through like this methodical process to learn what you're trying to, to, to show us. And this was very interesting because it, first of all, I had never thought of this like uh, teaching process as something that I like actually need to prepare before because I had never teach anyone before. So what I did was I started writing like this ideas that I have, like how how would I process this uh, very basic view information to someone that doesn't like know about it. And at this point, like I, th I believe someone someone suggested like, hey, you're you're uh, I don't know if it was a data finance article or some other like uh, nano and. They were like actually praising me for it. Like, I really enjoyed it. It was really good. It was very digestible. It was clear. And at this moment, I didn't understand actually why these people that were like contacting me were saying that my articles were clear. 
because I honestly had never written anything before. What did they say they liked about them? Like what made sense to them? What clicked? I think uh, one of the recurring comments was that they believed that it was very non-technical. What is it? What do you mean by that? So <laughs> I think what they meant, because I'm like not 100% sure, is that when I'm writing these articles, because I had no goal in mind, I, I wasn't like trying to get a lot of views. I wasn't trying to reach like this huge audience. I was just basically writing these things for myself. I was writing it in a fashion where I could be like reading this sort of and i and, and feeling that this person or, or me in, the, in this case was actually like talking to me so i was just trying to picture myself like if i had this person that is reading my article in front of me how would i approach telling her this how 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 would i explain it to her in words that she would understand so every time i was faced with like this um with a concept or a word a technical concept i just stopped myself and and actually like made a pause and, th and, and thought like is this something that they could potentially not know about and that actually just made my my goal a lot clearer because then i was like okay if if i'm doing this oriented to beginners because that was the idea then i cannot make any assumptions that these people are either know about technical lingo or even have a java uh, a solid javascript background to start with and obviously, I do have to make, uh, like you said, some clarifications about at, at least a very, like, I think it was a little understanding of JavaScript and just like uh, common programming paradigms, because you can't, I mean, it would be a very basic article with another concept to just like bring people over to JavaScript and to, and to um, interview at the same article. It would be like, like it, it would be major. I don't think I could cover it in like seven articles. There's no way. So... I think I've kind of, I feel like I'm ram rambling a little bit. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I know what you mean. Like, so I, one thing, just looking at the very, like in your very first article about Vue, like when you're introducing interpolation, like you don't say interpolation right away. You don't like say like, oh yeah, here's, you know, I'm going to talk about interpolation and then I'm going to explain what it is and then I'm going to show you an example. And said, you start with an example and then you say, hey, pay t close attention to this line, you know, where the interpolation is actually happening. And then you say, this is called interpolation. And then you explain it, which is a fancy term for, I'm going to display the content of my, and then you give the, the name of the variable, in this placeholder where the curly brackets are now. <laughs> yeah, that is actually a great point. Uh, I didn't remember that particular example. Thank you. When I write articles and things like that, it's kind of you, we have this like curse of knowledge, you know, being software developers and being in this, you know, having so many years of experience. It's really hard to put yourself back into that beginner mindset where you're trying to figure out, you know, how you explain something to a beginner. So I'm glad you, you really thought that out. Did you do a bunch of prep before you wrote these articles? Did you come up with all the examples first before you started writing them? I should probably say yes, but no. <laughs> no, I didn't really prep for anything. Um, it was like, it was a really like a spur of the moment thing. I just like put my hands to the keyboard, started writing it. Uh, I was jumping back and forth between documentation and just like trying to remember what my process for learning was. I think that's one of the, of the key things that I, that I wanted to like bring uh, today to the, to the conversation is that 
I think it was a lot easier for me to relate to the needs of novices or beginners because I myself did not learn about Vue.js very a, a long time ago. It's probably been like half a year or a little bit more since I started using it. So in a sort of a way, I was still very fresh uh, on the point that I could still remember what which topics made me like uh, that 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 were not explained to me properly when I was learning, or that I had the most like trouble understanding. And even so, even even if I had like this uh, previous programming experience, I believe that there there is still the need to not assume anything, because. If an intermediate developer or even an advanced JS developer comes to and read these articles, they might be able to read really quickly over the stuff that they already know. But when you teach someone that does not have this like foundation of terms and knowledge that you're assuming, then you're probably going to end up hurting them more. Because I think that the process of someone that is learning new a, a new framework, a new library, or even a new programming language is that they're going to try to accept everything at face value. Not a lot of people will actually go and try to stop in the middle of, a, of an article or a, uh, or say, for example, a video tutorial or something, and actually go and look up this concept that they are not uh, being spoon fed. Because and I don't really like don't want to go into like this massive rant, but I think it's part of like like the failures of our education system where we're just like taught to receive information and not to search for it. I didn't know starting out that this was going to be the way that people would like take these articles because I just kind of threw myself at it without a lot a lot of like preparation even. But I was writing like an article a week, so I was getting feedback as they were coming out. And this actually is when I started like uh, getting this like eye opener to like, wow, okay, so people are, are enjoying this and people are enjoying that. And this is what I, I'm, I'm getting the best comments about. So I started to find my own balance of like making this playful examples with stuff that, uh, that people would actually like be able to relate to like video games or movies or music. And just like trying to incorporate some of my own very weird sense of humor into them and you know some people will appreciate it and some people might think it's very lame but to like the few people that actually like read through all of them and and actually like sent me a thank you note at the end i would think it was completely worth it and it was very rewarding yeah one of the things um i really liked marina uh, i noticed is that you're using like including a cdn as like a way for the intro to view as like most people know as view developers we use the cli and we have webpack and all those bundlers like could you explain like was that like a decision point for you when you were writing this like do i start cli or i start cdn you want to explain to people like what your thought process was on that sure uh, i'm glad you brought that up because that was actually one of the few things that i actually sat down and thought about it's like am i going to like throw them at the terminal and I guess I just like related to myself at the point where I started like using terminal for things like uh, Laravel, Laravel's artisan and everything, just like trying to get myself accustomed to working with the terminal. And I think that it was a very daunting process to learn. I think that the people that were looking at this like learning view for beginners, like specifically an article that is designed or written to beginners, don't probably have a lot of like background on other of the current frameworks like Angular or, or React. 
they're probably going to be people that they're either starting out as programmers or that they have jQuery, uh, a jQuery background that they have not been able to let, let, go, let go. And they're very daunted about this like whole new process of, like you mentioned, having this like CLI and Webpack and tree shaking and a bunch of like, like a, a world of concepts that you have to learn in order to just like get your product out there to your web page. And honestly, we, we, we have to stop and think that a good percentage of developers are just like trying to get things to work. And just like they're not sitting there and looking at Guillaume's uh, talk in, in ViewCamp with their mouths open because, oh my God, I'm going to make it this so amazing and it's going to be like so optimized. They're just trying to get their stuff to not break and fall apart. And just like if the button is clicking, they don't care how they did it, but it's like this huge like uh, accomplishment for them. And I don't think we should devalue that because not all of us just like started out with like uh, having this previous education in in computer sciences or, to, or or even programming and technology. So when you were asking me about did I did I make this uh, on purpose? Yes, that was actually a, a thought out decision. I just told myself I am not going to touch the terminal at all in this in, in this in this series, and I actually didn't. I released, I think, I don't, I don't know if I published it in DevTour or if it's like pending publishing, but there's this course that I wrote about like a, a very basic introduction to the CLI that, uh, that should be around somewhere. <laughs> I will tell you in a minute. Um, but I don't think that, in my very particular opinion, that, that just like bringing the complexity of understanding a CLI and everything terminal related to a novice is, is the best idea. I would consider that an intermediate step. For sure. So is this something you'd recommend to other people writing educational articles to, to find like a very specific kind of person and write for that person rather than trying to I mean, meet like, oh yeah, I want to like deal with people who are also using the terminal and some people who don't have terminal experience, you know, and some people who know a lot of JavaScript and some people who don't know a lot of JavaScript. Do you think it's useful to like find a very specific niche? And I mean, you also mentioned like, oh yeah, I want people who are like into games and stuff like that. I have a very broad marketing like experience in my life. I, I work for a lot of marketing agencies, and my my instinct here is to tell you that defining your market is always good. But I guess it depends. What are what are your goals with this article? Are you trying to, like you said, like teach this very specific group of people, or are you just doing it for yourself? Are you like uh, having fun, or is this some like work related article? Are you like I think you have to define your goals. And this is why it was so simple for me because I, I had no goals. I had no expectations. I was just like writing this basically for myself to have, I don't, I don't know, I wouldn't say like something to do, but definitely I just like wanted to get a taste of like, hey, what is it, what it would be like to like bring something back to the community? Well, it doesn't sound like you had no goals. Like you, uh, you had very specific things. But <laughs> All right, you, let me, let me, you, let me you wanted the, that. Very specific people you wanted to try to serve. And uh, so it sounds like you, you, you had goals. I mean, yeah, I should rephrase that. It's not like I didn't have goals. I had very personal goals at, at which point when I started writing this, I, like, I didn't care a lot of, I mean, I, I, I had this like idea in my head that it was going to be oriented to beginners. That is everything. That is the only thing I knew. How because much, you noticed that they were underserved in other educational materials. I guess. I just, I just feel like... Uh, the view community has 
a lot of great authors, a lot of great, a lot of great people putting out a lot of amazing content out there. Like, I don't think there is a single concept in view almost that you can like Google about and you're not going to find an article about it with a, with a very detailed description. But I do feel that sometimes it's very hard for people to find the right place to start. Because if you don't know where, what to Google for, if, if you just wanted to learn view, like, okay, some, and, and, and we would have to clarify that there is this, even within the beginners, we have very different type of beginners. So you're not gonna be able to serve anyone. and Not everyone's gonna like what you're doing. There's obviously the beginners that have some sort of like background or they're, they're just, their head just works this way and they can just like go dive the documentation and learn it. And I mean, doc documentation uh, and the guide is sort of like built in a sort in, in a very straight way where you're like learning concepts in this way. And, and it's not even like that far apart from that, the way that I did it. In fact, it's very similar. The progress is very similar. I just made so much judgments uh, adjustments to what I thought would be easier to understand first and that it would actually serve the purpose of my own examples. I think the documentation in view is definitely something of uh, of an item in, in that it attracts people because of how well written and how clear it is in a very tutorial-esque way. So to answer your previous question, uh, should you have goals? Definitely. You have to be very clear about like the whole beginner, intermediate, advanced concept is just very so subjective that how would you like even segregate these people into like these levels? Is that you would have to like make up this like complex system of like what do you need to know in order to be consider yourself a beginner in Vue.js, and how will how will that relate to your uh, knowledge of like regular JavaScript, of vanilla JavaScript? How much is is Five, do you have to know how much is six? Do you need it? Do you not need it? Can you like survive without it? Do you have to like uh, know about concepts like spread operators, or can you just like get through with that and start working with you? It's it's I think it's a very complex subject and definitely very subjective. And I honestly don't feel qualified to answer it. Well, I think you bring up a great point actually on that end. Um, so, sort of connected to the CDN piece that we were talking about, um, I taught a beginner workshop recently, and I had a developer that was like clearly their experience, like full stack developers working like Laravel and those things. But then I also had a designer who had encoded in like, you know, like a few years, so she wasn't sure whether she was able to actually pick up the material. And so, I think that's one of the reasons I think you were talking about is I like about the CDN is that it gets everything away, pushes all the like there were developers that are like, oh, do I need to learn Webpack before I learn Vue? And it's like, no, let's let's just get to the Vue concepts, right? Get a, get all the stuff away. And um, yeah, I mean, just from my experience too, like the CDN just helps you focus in on the Vue stuff and get them without all the other complications. I think that's a great way to just keep everybody on board. So in that regard, you cover a lot of different skill sets, but getting to the core learning objective of like exposing them to Vue concepts. So that's what one of the things I, I definitely really like about your articles. Thank you. And actually, now that you mentioned uh, like workshops, so I've been I've been playing around, like you said, with the, with the idea of like uh, having a workshop like for forms and everything. And it might happen, it might not. But one of the things that I'm already starting to think about is like every workshop I has I have been to has. So I mean, this particular one would actually have to assume some knowledge. But if you're if you're doing like uh, uh, like you said, 
a beginner intro uh, to view. One of the things that I that, that always like struck me as as very odd is that every almost every workshop that I've seen has assumed that you know how to clone a Git repository. Like, have you ever stopped to think that these people and I have actually never like done that before? That is, and 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 we're not we're not catering to them. And I'm not also saying that we should like cater to people that have never opened a computer before, but. I don't know. What if you like took like two, two minutes to like prepare a, a link or a document to like explain it very in a very quick or, or uh, fashion way? Like, hey, this is what you need to do in your computer to clone this. And what does this cloning process mean? It's just going to get you're going to pull these files into your computer and you're going to copy them and we can work on them. So for the people I who just, need it, they can look at those those extra yeah. resources, and the people who like, don't need it can just keep reading on. Exactly. Exactly. You're not you're not taking away from the experience of the advanced developers, but you're actually like might just like having this very um, small detail can actually change the whole perception of your workshop for this person. I'm just saying that from the experience that I had uh, in, in, in actually in your workshop in Tampa, yeah. um, I was talking to some people that like I, I was I was I was just looking at them and they had their like their 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 head and their hands and they were just like looking at their screen and they were completely lost. And not because the workshop was was not clear or anything, it's just that because they were lacking some very like fundamental knowledge about view in order to follow what I would label if 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 you agree with it as an intermediate workshop. Component sure. uh, component creation and components like the structuring is not something that you throw to a novice. And I think some people in there were definitely not prepared to face the concepts that were throwing being thrown back at, at them because they 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 barely understood a computer property. They barely understood what what uh, what was happening with the like the local data inside a component. Just when they started looking at like render lessons and and components they were like, like completely lost and i think a lot of the good content of your workshop which was was the, the the part that i enjoyed the most was actually maybe lost on them yeah um that it definitely was a lesson learned um from that and and so one of the things i also recommend for like beginner workshops which i did this time is you know um sometimes uh, to your point like people don't know how to clone and then people not, might not even have like node installed on their machines so especially for beginner workshops i actually recommend people to uh, have it so that people can just download the repo, like not even coding, they just download a zip file. And I actually download the CDN file so that they don't even have to hook up to the internet and it just works on local files and then people don't have to do any of that NPM build, you know, sort of. But yeah, those are those are definitely great points that we definitely need to improve on for future workshops. Yeah, that, that's that's actually that's actually a pretty great idea. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> think about downloading the zip file. See, you can just, you can always go simpler, right? Yes. And zip file and local like <laughs> JS files, and that's it. No, no, exactly. No internet needed. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So if you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. 
Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. I think I have one more question about the education piece. So for people who are also interested in like, you know what, I've... I've learned a few things and there are, you know, some things that worked really well in my learning experience and some things that didn't work well, but I also want to like work on my communication and uh, teaching and like start creating some resources. Like how, how would you recommend people get started with that kind of thing? I think the easiest way to start creating resources other than just go ahead and do it because I mean, there's no right, there's no wrong. It's just, if, if it's out there, someone is going to find it interesting. And you but, mentioned that like when you were first like trying stuff, it didn't work. <laughs> like when, when you were first like mentoring and stuff like that, you know, you had failures. And I think that that's okay and that's to be expected. Well, I think I'm at a point right now where I'm very comfortable like writing some things. I'm, I'm, I have even recently been uh, approached by Progress to write some articles for them. So, I mean... People are liking them and I'm apparently doing a good job. But that doesn't mean that every time I send an article or publish an article, I'm, I'm dreading this moment. I'm asking 20 people to read it before. Like, please, someone raise their hand if I'm, so, I'm, if I'm saying something completely stupid in here that I'm not realizing. So I think this feeling that is hard to get past is that someone's going to read this. And, and mock me or, 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 or say that it's really bad or, or, or make a really bad comment about it. Or maybe you'll make it a mistake. Have, yeah, exactly. Or I will make a mistake and lose all my credibility. That is, that is like something that I, is always in my head whenever I publish an article. I just, I'm waiting to see like someone that is actually going to go and be like, you, this is this completely untrue. You have no idea what you're talking about. And I'm not reading one of your articles ever again. And I'm telling everyone about it. <laughs> So what's the solution? Do you wait until you're the, the world's leading expert on a topic before you start writing articles about it? I mean, I think there's a couple of things here. The first point would actually be uh, watch how other people that you admire are doing it. For me, for example, Maximilian Schwarzmuller from Academind is like my go-to person. I love him. I love him. Like, honestly, I think the way that he explains things and the way that he creates his videos is fantastic. Like that is the person I go to learn too. So in some ways, I don't know if I mimicked him because he does videos and he has a very like personal structure and how he teaches things. But I do feel like my inspiration to being very detailed and very slow paced and very like uh, careful with detail came from him. And actually my second point and just back backtracking to the, like this, like, I don't know, imposter syndrome feeling that we have to like figure out every day. Um, I actually had this one article that I wrote, which was about the spread, spread operator in JavaScript, which is actually like the, my most popular article for some reason. Because I really don't know why. Apparently the spread operator is something that, that people are very interested in. And also it covers a broader audience, I guess. Like if, if, you're, if you're writing for Vue, then you're just going to get the Vue audience. And then the JavaScript article just like, got a, a little a little bit more attention probably because uh, like a bunch of react people came and, and and read it but 
I did make some omissions. I, I don't think I made mistakes like per se, but I did make some omissions. I didn't mention at all, for example, that the spread operator, when you're cloning objects, I, I was mentioning that you could clone this object and the pointer to that object would actually get, get you would get a new pointer so that you're not actually like working on the same object. But then I started getting all this feedback and all these comments like, hey, uh, you actually forgot to mention that if there is nested objects, that this is not going to be a deep clone of said object. And I just completely like uh, forgot to mention that. And it's not even that like, I didn't know about it. It's just that when I was writing the article, I took for granted this knowledge. But thankfully, like my 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 disastrous like imagination about getting all these comments about oh my god you're you don't know what you're talking about didn't happen. I think I was very lucky to actually have like three or four people like hey point this out like hey you're missing this, and they actually started like talking between themselves in the comments and and giving solutions and trying to explain or even like bring this knowledge this lacking knowledge that my article was uh, that didn't have into the comments. So what I did was just like, I tried to interact with them. I thanked them for their, for their feedback. And I actually went back and, and patched this, this article with this new information that they were giving me. So like, I think you would have to make a really, really, really bad article with a bunch of mistakes and assumptions. And you would have to like, have a very bad luck and get it to the hands of the wrong people in order to get like this, like aggressive criminal response that I was like expecting. So that actually was very nice for me um, because it encouraged me definitely to keep going. You know, I was going to say with articles that I've written in the past, I've had that same experience where if you do make a mistake, usually people are actually pretty nice. I mean, every now and then you get the random troll, but people are nice. They point out a mistake and nice thing about the web and, and creating blog articles and you can go and edit and, and fix things and you don't have to worry about it going forward. And I really like the concept of creating content for the purpose of not just, you know, the goodness of, of sending it out in the world and, but also helping you understand the same concepts too. So it really solidifies those ideas in your head. If you have to write, you know, a thousand words on it, because now you have to put it down and, and explain it to someone that doesn't understand it. The one caveat I would say is if you're doing like video content, you can't easily go back and change it unless you that's, that's a lot more work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so doing courses or YouTube or something like that. The way I've gone around that is if I do a mistake in one of my videos and someone points it out in one of the comments, I'll pin their comment to the top. So that way, you know, when someone watches the video, they scroll down and like, oh, you know, there's an error and like, oh, there's the pinned comment. Yeah, I know I messed up here and blah, blah, blah. And you can also, if you have it linked to your GitHub, you put a GitHub link in your description, you can then fix it in, in your in the actual uh, GitHub um, repo. So that way, if someone then pulls down your code, at least it's fixed there. But yeah, so I Eric, really like that. You're idea. saying you've also made mistakes and people haven't banned you from the dev community? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And yep. it also sounds like, Marina, that um, you're recommending that people, instead of like, I know that we're talking about your whole view series, but especially if they're getting started with teaching and sharing content, to really pick like one concept, like the spread operator, right? You didn't try to explain all of JavaScript when you first started. You were like, I'm going to pick this one thing and I'm going to try to like, you know, write about it, unravel it. And then eventually you kind of got more comfortable, which is why then you took on like a seven part view series. Is that, would you say that's what you recommend? Trying to keep it simple is definitely a, a right, the right way to approach it, which is 
unexpectedly why I, what I was trying to do with the view series. This is why I only like targeted to beginners because I knew that I could write a sort of concise series with like the very basic concepts. But definitely there is, I think that the other articles were a lot easier to write because I was just like focusing on this one topic and I could research it fully and then summarize it in a way that I would think was understandable. So yeah, I mean, if anyone is trying to figure out like, hey, I want to I want to write about some like technology subject, some 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 programming uh, concept or something, then I think a good a good idea, like you mentioned, is to like okay, grab one particular idea or one particular concept that interests you, research it, start writing, and then I think when you're writing it, you're you're gonna start like like Eric mentioned, you're gonna start learning about even more about what you're trying to like like write about, and and that that process of learning and writing is actually what's going to make your your article better. And I guess this is a question for like Chris and Eric, like, would you say that like, I think a common misconception with new writers is like this desire to be like, they feel like they're the expert. So in the instance of the spread operator, right, you're writing like, you're almost like rewriting the docs. Whereas like, you know, would you say that people should really see it more as like they're sharing their perspective on a topic as opposed to like being the all encompassing expert on whatever they're writing about? Yeah, you know, I would say for sure. Yeah, you it's almost, I don't know if this an analogy works. We, there's a lot of beginner articles out there, but we all have our different voice and some people connect with some other people and some people will connect with you. So like if you go to a city and you're looking for a gym, there's going to be like 50 gyms in your city, but that's okay because, you know, this certain gyms will have certain, you know, people like Orange Theory. They might want to go there. They might want to go to Gold's Gym or whatever gym you have. And you just have to put yourself out there and people will kind of connect with you with your style of how you write um, the examples that you use. Hopefully you bring something unique like, like uh, Marina did with her articles, but yeah, definitely. I, I will mention though, that I wouldn't read Marina's articles if you're a fan of fallout 76. <laughs> um, that, that some, example, you know, she, she rates it very, very poorly. Uh, so <laughs> She does mention Secret of Mana, though. And that's one of my favorites. And Ooh, Legend yeah. of Zelda. There's some good stuff there. there. There's, there's some good uh, like video game uh, geekery in there. <laughs> yeah. I'm actually like thinking about uh, doing like creating this like whole workshop uh, revolving around Zelda, which is like something very like nerd and game oriented. You are you could. Was- you are one of the few people who like I, I believe knows like a lot more about Zelda than me. I mean, I do have a book about it. <laughs> Wait, you wrote a book about Zelda? No, I have a book. I have a book. No, I just think that it's something like everyone can relate to. Um, I don't think I would go like writing a, a, an article that revolves around some like very obscure game or something that people have never heard of because you're or, or like, I mean, like a, a lot of a lot of gamers. Not anyone, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot I of mean, people who are into those particular games. And. Even so, uh, like I know that people that don't like video games or, or, or they're like not going to enjoy their articles very much, or maybe I'm going to lose them in the process of reading them. But that's the trade-off that I like had to make to just like have fun doing it. I wanted yeah, to write but, about the things that I'm passionate. And other about. people are going to have a lot more fun reading your articles. Like it won't feel like learning. It'll exactly. feel like partly <laughs> learning and partly just like hanging out with your friend Marina. <laughs> that is that is the idea of it. Yeah. Yeah. So Ben and Eric, uh, I, I'm actually curious, do you have any additional tips, you know, since both of you also create a lot of educational materials 
for beginners, for people who want to like get into writing beginner materials um, or creating videos or whatever it happens to be, anything you, you want to share with them? You know, I, I think a lot of it's covered. I mean, we talked about making sure you have a, an audience in mind beforehand is a great way to, to go at it. So you're, if you're going to target beginners, then make a beginner article. Like Marina saying, make it your own voice. So something interesting, like if you're into video games, you're into some kind of geekery. If you're into Harry Potter, maybe you can make make it more interesting, make it a little more fun when you're writing it. You want to stand out a little bit and also have fun in it. It's not fun to read really boring, long articles. There's actually people out there that like those type, but you know, you may not like writing it. So, you know, there's this concept of, of just trying to teach people together. I mean, trying to, to imagine where they're at so you can teach concepts better, um, to make real world examples in it. So things like that come to mind at the top of my head. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Yeah, I agree with that a lot. Personalizing it definitely helps to keep it really interesting. And to be honest, it showcases your personality, which I think people like when they're reading. I, I would say particularly on the videos pieces, like if you're looking to do video content, I would definitely recommend keeping it on the shorter side. So like within five five to 10 minutes tops, just because um, to Eric's point, like if you make a mistake, you don't have to re-record the whole thing. It's like if you're focusing on specific clips and to be honest, I think people engage which like when they know their video is only like five to 10 minutes. Whereas like if they see your videos like 30 minutes, you might have a, a little bit harder time getting engagement. So if you're definitely starting out, I would say keep it short. And then if you're doing in-person workshops, definitely keep the workshops interactive. I think I learned this from Chris. It's like the learn, question, apply format. And so this idea that you can learn theory, but then allow your users to question it and then actually practice it. Don't just sit there and lecture at them for like three hours. I don't think anybody would care much for that. So um, I think those are the top things from my head. You have anything I've heard of it called like, I do, we do, you do. So like, oh, we, okay. I, I do it on the board and then we all do it together and then you take that concept and do it. So yeah, something similar to that. It's great. I've never done an in-person workshop, but that, that sounds great. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. That that is that is a thing, and and it and it works. <laughs> yeah, but another another way that I've heard it explained sometimes is like show, modify, and then create. So like you're 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 showing them like how something works, and then you're having them like modify something that already exists, and then you're having them like using that same concept to create something new that doesn't already exist. You know, so ha- having people build up to to that rather than just throwing them in the deep end from the very start. Ooh, the one thing I do want to jump in though, I think Chris, you, you, I don't know if you're going to mention this later, so I might steal your thunder on this. But um, I think the one advice I thought you gave was really great is let people build something that they would be proud to show someone. Get, getting that investment really helps to reinforce that learning. Not necessarily proud, but like, yeah, build build things that you'll want to show someone you care about. Okay, there you go. Yeah, it could be because like you're really proud of it. It could be because like, oh, you built like a custom like Pokedex and you want to share it with your friend who is really into Pokemon. Or it could be just like, you know, something that is silly and not necessarily that impressive to your friend whose birthday it is to just give them a a little like happy birthday message to show that like, you know, you thought of them and you made something thinking of them. What do you think, Marina? I, I definitely agree. Like building something that people can relate to, but that they will be like fun for them is always good. But I actually took a very different approach uh, for this series, and I completely avoided like touching CSS at all. 
So I actually make a, a bunch of references all the time in my articles about how ugly this is, but <laughs> I didn't want to like bring in like styling to the table. I just like try to keep it as simple as possible. So I'm sorry that whoever went through that came like pretty much empty handed at the end with like nothing to show their friends except a bunch of like ugly forms and buttons. But uh, in this particular case, I thought it was necessary to just like keep things very simple. I, I would say though, I don't think it necessarily has to have CSS for people to, you know, think it's cool to show people. So I, I wouldn't tell yourself short there. I think people would would feel great knowing that you taught them how to attach event handlers and do all those things. And now you made the data reactive. So yeah, I definitely wouldn't, <laughs> don't sell your tutorial short. I'm sure people were definitely happy to show people those things they built on your tutorial. Yeah, one of my favorite introductions to like conditionals in JavaScript is just like a bunch of if statements with uh, alerts and prompts for like a choose your own adventure story. Oh, that's nice. You know, a very, a very short one. And you don't need any CSS for that, but it's still fun and quirky and like you want to show it to people and have them try, try out your game and, you know, see what they type. And <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. I guess I, I I just see all these like content creators making this like really really amazing like demos and things that you can build with them and just like showcasing them and it's like I can't help but feel like I, I was a little maybe uncreative on that part. I could have possibly taken a little bit more time to like make something that was a little bit more fun to look at at least. But you know, you know I, it, that moment. It reminds me, like, if you look at Sarah Drasner's, like, tutorials, she always has, like, amazing, like, CSS and animations and whatever concepts are that way. But you just mentioned you, you really like Maximilian, which I, I, I enjoy his content, too. He has a great Udemy course. A lot of his CSS doesn't look that great. When, like, when he's teaching concepts, he doesn't spend a ton of time on design. He's just like, Here the, here's what we want to do. I think Eric's throwing shade. <laughs> or he'll just import yeah. bootstrap right he'll be like attach these bootstrap classes and there you go yeah exactly yeah i i mean you're probably right you're probably right i think there's there's probably a sweet spot in between like i love sarah Dressner's work. and i think there's there's room for both <laughs> like like a, a lot of sarah's stuff like is super inspiring and like makes you want to play with that stuff even more and and gives you an idea of like what's possible so I think there, there's a there's room for like a range of different examples for different kinds of purposes. Yeah, totally yeah agree. absolutely. Different strokes for different folks, I guess. Huh, I like that. Yeah. So and actually, I have one more one more question for Marina. Uh, it's you split up that series into seven different articles. Why not just have it be one big article? I'm trying to think of a very like convoluted answer that is not. It can be simple. I don't mind. <laughs> All right. Well, real, in, in reality, because who's going to sit and read that? <laughs> That's a great answer. Yeah. Great reason. That would be my reason. <laughs> that would be like a huge like dump of content. And also I needed to pace myself because I was like juggling almost two, two and a half, three jobs at that time and trying to get like work done for B-Vixens and just like a couple other things that I was doing. And like... Uh, thankfully, I had a lot of flights in between like this, like two points in time. And it was just like typing and writing in airplanes and in, in, in airports. And that just like it sort of gave me the time to, to write this. But I think it was just a more of a way to pace myself and just not just throw like this monolithic uh, tutorial at people. With, because honestly, I, 
if I if I was looking at an article and I was and and, and I just look at at, at the, the amount of scrolling and reading that I would have to do to come out with something from it, that would be very off-putting by for me. Uh, sort of like what Ben said about the uh, the videos, like even in, in in the shorter videos, people tend to re relate more and be able to like digest this. And I think at this point in time not everyone is going to have like two hours to sit and look at your video or read your article when they get home or in their lunch break or whenever people are making some time to study up a little bit and learn new things so for the people that do have the time they can just wait until the series is on and just like read it all in one sitting but if people just wonder like oh like this amazing uh concept by alex for like the view those i think that's a, a brilliant idea i love it I, I like i can't wait every week to get like the little like tips and everything and it doesn't take that much time out of my of, of my day and i think it's brilliant i just it fits every almost every shoe uh foot would be shit <laughs> i don't know the expression <laughs> yeah i know what you mean english, english expressions are difficult yeah you can uh, you can uh, tweet us at views on view. Actually, I don't know what the Twitter handle is, but <laughs> if you want to tell us what the expressions are. But but anyway, uh, does anybody have any tips for Marina before we start wrapping up? And I, I, I we talk about picks and you know where people can find Marina, that kind of thing. I mean, just keep writing. Loved your work and can't wait to see more of it. Thank you, thank you, Ben Ben. Okay, now Eric, Eric, any anything else from from you or? No, I'm good. Cool. All right, then, Marina, where can people find you? Are you on the internet? <laughs> Sometimes. Well, probably Twitter would be the best choice. It's at Marina Mosti, M-O-S-T-I. I mean, if you Google it, um, there, there's not a lot of Marina Mostis running around. So I think there's just like one other in like Italy last summer. So it should be pretty easy. And we'll have that in the show notes as well. And is there anything you'd like to plug? Anything uh, coming up that you want people to know about? Uh, sure. Are we doing the picks now? <laughs> oh, we can do the picks. This is like sort of separately, just like, you know, personal things like, uh, you know, articles you're working on or anything like that. Yes. I mean, I, ha I do have a bunch of articles coming up that I'm writing for progress right now, but I don't think I'm at liberty to discuss them before they're published. Wow. Uh, secret articles. <laughs> they're Okay. They're good. Uh, people will learn things, but it, oh well. Actually, I could. When they're released, when can people find these secret articles? <laughs> I can't say. I, I I don't have that information. But I will be probably be working on a VUX series for beginners very soon. So that is actually something I'm very excited about, and hopefully I will get it done sometime this year. <laughs> nice. <laughs> will kidding. that also be on Dev too? <laughs> I'm sorry, what? Will that, will that also be on Dev.2? So if people go to Dev.2 slash Marina Mosti, will they be able to find that? Probably. I haven't decided about the, like where it's going to get actually published, but mm -hmm. I mean... Wherever, but at the very least, uh, probably release it on Twitter. So yes, they, no, of course. Every, every, time I, every time I release something, it's going to go on Twitter, and there's a lot of very loving people that help me like get some reach. So thank thanks uh, and a big shout-out to all of them. Um, so, yeah... Uh, probably the best idea just to follow me if you can if you want and i don't tweet a lot about a lot of stuff that are not like article related so don't worry about spamming <laughs> excellent 
This episode is brought to you by TripleByte. Applying to programming jobs sucks. You have to put the right keywords in your resume. You spend hours and hours on the phone screens and take home projects. And that's assuming the company even responds to your application. Well, if you're a software engineer, TripleByte can help. They work with over 400 top tech companies from big names like Dropbox and Adobe to exciting startups. You do one brief online interview with them. And if you do well, you go straight to final interviews with the company on their platform. It's like the common app for software developers. TripleByte does not look at your resume or where you went to school. All they care about is if you can code. I've helped dozens of software developers with various credentials get jobs, and this looks like a terrific way for you to get in and get interviewed and get a job without a lot of the hassle and overhead. You can go check them out at triplebyte.com view. That's triplebyte.com, byte as in eight bits. As a special offer for listeners of this show, if you take a job through TripleByte, they'll offer you a $1,000 signing bonus. And uh, Ben, do you want to go first for some picks? Uh, yeah, sure. So let's see. Since today is like about learning and teaching, I'm going to have to plug again the Make It Stick, uh, which is a book about learning principles. So again, for those interested in education and stuff, check out Make It Stick. And then as far as the fun pick, I started reading, um, I believe it's called Broken Earth or the Shattered Earth series. Broken Earth, yeah. Broken Earth, yeah. Started reading the Broken Earth series and um, it's, it's really interesting. So you know, anyone looking for uh, sort of a new like fiction book, I've been reading it and enjoying it quite a lot. So I think- Yeah, it's, it's fantasy. It's really good. I think, gosh, how many Hugo Awards? I think she might've won like for the trilogy. I think she might've won Hugo Awards for all three. Don't quote me on that, but I think, I think that might be true actually. <laughs> yep. So I think those are uh, my two picks for this week. Excellent. And Eric, would you like to go next? Sure. Yeah, I've been uh, I've been watching the news about this picture of the black hole. So it's my pick. Have you guys seen that? The, the I have picture, not seen it yet. I've heard about it. Of though. A black hole. Nope. Well, yeah. I guess they they were able to finally take a picture. Was there much to see, or was it too dark? <laughs> it was pretty dark. But well, um, yeah, it, it's kind of interesting. So you know, guys, check that out. You know, Google it. My other pick is, I don't know when this video is coming out, but Avengers Endgame is coming out very soon. Oh, I got the three-night tickets. Did you pay $1,000? I hear something. I did not. I'm part of the A-list, whatever, so they told me about it. And I got tickets. What, A-list? Whatever? What is this? It's, it's the AMC program where you pay like 20 bucks and you can see like um, unlimited movie or, well, three movies a week. And then like... Wow, nice. It's actually pretty cheap, especially if you're using like for IMAX or Dolby Digital, where the tickets are already $20 for one person. So as long as you watch one movie, then you're pretty much making your money back. But anyways, yeah, I'm excited for that. Yes, Eric, good pick. Yeah, yeah, it looks pretty exciting. Yeah, all the theaters in my area, I'm here in Reno, Nevada, they're pretty much sold out opening day, so I'll probably see it sometime later I can try to stream it from my phone if you want. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Are we going to set up like a private VPN? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to, to watch it from Ben's phone. <laughs> I'll, I'll have my Twitch channel on. It'll be good. Uh, that's very cool. Dude. And then I guess my last, since we're talking about learning and learning view, uh, I'll just give a quick plug to my own course. It's on Nuxt.js. I just actually updated it for 2019 and the latest version Nuxt. But that's at school.programwitheric.com. Great. And then I am going to go next. So my first pick is Ben's Hogwarts Accent. Ben, could you do the, your, your Hogwarts accent for everybody? He, he did this at ViewConf. Can you, can you give us a little bit? Gosh, uh, I'm an aura from the uh, Department of Ministry, Ministry of Magic, Defense of the Dark Arts. I don't know. What, what school are you in? 
I'm in the school of Ravenclaw, house of uh, the well-prepared champions. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Amazing. So Ben, uh, along with uh, Jen Looper, recently emceed at ViewConf US. And I think they both had several costume changes. And, and at one point, Ben came on in a full Hogwarts outfit and gave this like whole speech to introduce the next speaker. And it actually fit with the theme of that speaker's talk. Uh, it was, it was uh, uh, Rahul, uh, Rahul Kachan. Yeah, it's on the dark arts. On the dark arts of SFC compilation. It was so beautiful. There might well, be a YouTube link for YouTube that, YouTube actually. So yeah. by the time this comes out, it might be on YouTube. Search for, should, should they search for dark arts of SFC compilation to find it? or I don't know. I'll have to ask Greg from Viewmastery. Or Ben Hong, Harry Potter. Uh, what's, what's the right <laughs> term? <laughs> we'll, we'll work out the SEO later. So my, my second pick is Gone Home. Uh, Gone Home is a video game that is pretty cool that I just recommended to someone. And uh, it's from like 2013, so it's pretty old. It'll probably run in your machine no matter how old your machine is. Well, I mean, I guess not no matter how old your machine is. If it's like from 20 years ago, yeah, you're probably going to have to upgrade. But it's very likely that it'll just run on your laptop, whatever you use for development, if you have a development machine. It's also available on Nintendo Switch. Oh, it is? Cool. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. So it's one of those like walk em up games where you're just experiencing a story and it's just like four hours or something. And there's also a lot of good 90s nostalgia. So if you're in the mood for some 90s nostalgia, that's a good one. Well, I guess I know what I'm buying after this up, this recording. And my next pick is Polyfill.io. It is a service for giving you like a bunch of different polyfills for JavaScript, depending on the browser that you're serving to. This is a service I, I talk about with people sometimes and they say like, oh gosh, I, I wish I had known about that earlier. So for example, if you're visiting from Internet Explorer, you might get like 33 you know, KB of polyfills. And if you're visiting from the latest Chrome, then you might get only three. And so it, it just serves everybody, everybody what they want, which is a, it's, it's a cool idea, a cool way of handling polyfills as an alternative to just like bundling all the polyfills that like eat the lowest like common denominator browser might need to every single user. And then my last pick this one is, is definitely self-serving and I feel like I've already, not self-serving because I don't really get anything out of it, but it's my own project, View Enterprise Boilerplate. I feel like I've already talked about it so much on this podcast, so I feel bad talking about it again. But at, at ViewConf recently, people were telling me, it's like, you need to talk about View Enterprise Boilerplate more because it's such a great resource. And those are their words, not mine. Okay, so before you, you start thinking like I'm getting really full of myself, uh, <laughs> some people seem to think it's a really great resource at the very least. Uh, I, I uh, can so second those things. The, the View Enterprise boilerplate repo. It's not just a boilerplate, but also sort of like a study guide for a bunch of different best practices for View that I try to uh, document really well and comment really well so that you can bring them to your own project, whether it's based on View Enterprise boilerplate or not. And even if your project isn't currently using View, there's a lot of really great stuff. And that's it. Marina, what are your picks? Well, since you already like started the self shameless self promotion train, I'm gonna ride it. Do it. <laughs> um, train. Choo choo. Yeah, <laughs> I've actually recently became part of uh, a wonderful team of people that are working on Validate, and one of the sub um, libraries that we're working on is called 
name pending parentheses <laughs> formulate well, or formulate <laughs> yeah yeah so uh formulate for those that don't like the other one but formulate for me because coffee is good drink coffee be happy so it's going to be a library that is going to eventually connect with Violidate. Uh, it's a schema-driven form generator, which basically allows you to, to write up your own schema or just like generate a schema out of a, I don't know, a JSON file, a, a JavaScript object, or even an array. You dump it all into this component and you basically just like give it references to the, to the to your actual components that you want the form to use, and it's just gonna generate it for you. You can be model into it, and you're gonna get all your form data output back to you. And all the changes that you're doing to your schema are going to update this form real time. So, I mean, it's very alpha 0.0000.0001 yet version, but if anyone wants to check it out, then it's a project that I'm very much enjoying being a part of. So, yeah. And my second pick for the day, uh, also to keep with the like teaching theme of this podcast, would be to visit codingcoach.io. This is a page that is, well, this is a project that is being developed by Emma Wedekind and some other very nice people. The goal of this page is to just be a hub, I guess, of sorts for people that want to like register themselves as mentors for a particular like library, subject, technology uh, topic for like uh, a programming language or whatever. So you can actually go there and register yourselves if you want to be a part of this initiative and help some people out. I can tell you from experience that mentoring people is a very rewarding uh, activity. Uh, and also, if you're feeling like sketchy or on, on a particular topic, then uh, drop in, click on find a mentor and filtering through wh whatever you want to learn. And I'm sure that you will find some very wonderful human beings there to help you grow your career and your knowledge. Oh, cool. Is that free? It is completely free. Yes. Yeah. Whoa. Mar Marina got me on that as well. So I can second yes. that. I've had people actually reach out to me for career mentoring and stuff already. So yeah, um, I'm definitely on there as well. So thanks, Marina, for getting me on there. Uh, of course. <laughs> nice. Can you do any kind of mentoring or is it just tech? Uh, yes. I think it's mainly tech, but then you can call like career as a common label. So for those like newer to like the space. So I've gotten some. So I can't go out and do fashion mentoring or anything. If it's right. tech fashion, yeah. Tech fashion, yeah. Yes. Black turtlenecks, no. you know. Yeah, and no, unicorn onesies. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we'll start unit selling unicorn onesies to everybody. <laughs> oh, by the way, that, that's also something to look forward to. If you look at the, the videos for, for ViewConf, you'll see Ben and Jen both in incredible unicorn outfits. It's really impressive. Credit to Jen for, for that idea. All right. So I think that's it for this episode of Views on View. Until next week... Ben, can you say in a British accent, enjoy the view? Enjoy the view. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.